0: Welcome to Passion Life Church. We're so glad that you are joining us. Hey, I, I just real quick, I want to give it up to Zach. Uh, he did our offering to think that somebody would leave professional modeling to become and serve at a church. I'm just humbled by that. Come on, give Zach a... Uh, yeah. he, he told me, he's like, I'll model, but I just won't do the, like, the underwear stuff, you know, and... Uh, So we can't. So that's good. I'm glad you're, you're modest. But to think that you left a life of such prestige, you know, and Hollywood and all that to come and serve at Passion Life Church, that scripture that you gave truly exemplifies you did not come to be served or sign autographs or for us to put you on Instagram, but you came to serve. And thank you, Zach. Come on. Come on. Let's give him a good round of applause. We're in part three of an incredible series we've called Bring on the Blessing. Can we say that? Say, bring on the blessing. On the blessing. You know, I believe that that's our heart's cry, and I'll tell you why you need to be blessed. You need to be blessed so you can be a blessing to other people. That's so important. You know, if you're broke and busted and disgusted, you can't help anybody else. You are actually needing people to help you. And, and I've been there in that, at that time in my life. But I think God wants to make a shift in our life that we aren't just the people that are being blessed, but that we now become the blessors to people and get that cycle started in our lives. And, and you know, here's what I've noticed in 27 years of being a Christian. I've discovered this maybe you can agree the best the, the best life is the blessed life The blessed life is the best life living in a supernatural flow of God's provision. And, you know, that just doesn't have to do with money. That can do with healing, that can do with peace. How many of you know we need supernatural peace in a chaotic world? And so you say, Pastor Phil, but uh, because today really we are talking about finances, because, you know, in our finances, a lot of people struggle in these areas. And you say, why would you talk about finances in church? Well, simply because Jesus talked about finances finances when he was on the earth. It was a major theme in his ministry. As a matter of fact, he talked, there's about 500 verses in the Bible about prayer. There's about 500 verses about faith. I love talking about faith, but listen to this. There's over 2,000 verses in the Bible about money because God knew that we would need some wisdom in that. And for some of us, we all know and understand we need money. I'm not saying we don't need money, but for some of us, it becomes a God. That we begin to put our trust in. The Bible says that we can't serve God and mammon. Mammon was the God of wealth and riches, and, and uh, we can't serve two, two masters. But I'll tell you what, Jesus dealt with it because we would need some wisdom in this area. And if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're gonna be in reading in verse eight here in just a minute. And we talked about in part one, mind your own business. Come on, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, are you minding your own business, right? And what does that mean? It simply means that God is the owner. We settled the ownership issue. God owns everything. He owns the earth. Can I hear a good amen? The earth is his and the fullness thereof. And so what we are is we are simply stewards, overseers of what God has entrusted to us. And so we went through that. You can listen to that on part one. Then last Uh, week part two we had a special guest Robert Morris via video and uh, the audio is up there on our podcast and he talked about putting our first fruits and he said great word when God is first in your life everything else will align can I hear a good amen and God can't be second. That's not, that's not his place. And some of us, we put God second, and we wonder why things aren't working out. But today, I have entitled today's message, part three, Overcoming the Poverty Mentality. Let me say that again. Overcoming the Poverty Mentality. Notice I didn't get any whoop, whoop, or yeah, let's overcome that. And I think that we don't get that because somehow ingrained in us, there can be this idea that being poor is very, very spiritual because we misquote the scriptures, we say, Jesus said, blessed are the poor. No, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. God loves the poor. He loves the poor. And here's one of the reasons why we need to be blessed so we can help the poor. Come on. Can I hear a good amen? But it is not God's will that you stay poor. It is God's will that you overcome this poverty mentality. So now you can become an agent of change on the earth and start blessing us. If Passion Life Church is a poor church, we could never have the resources to reach our city, reach our community. And not only that, reach our state, come on, reach our, our city, our state and America. And let me just tell you something. I, I thought about this this week. So goes California. So goes the nation. And God has called us and put a mandate on us to reach this city, this state for him. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. But we can't do that if we're not using the resources or have the resources. So I want to talk about overcoming a poverty mentality. Now, for me, growing up, finances and money were always a struggle. We were poor. Now, I want you to understand, my dad came over from Mexico, Mexico Lindo, right? Came over about 50 years ago. He came over legally. And so he came over, just want to say that before people... Because either way, people you get mad or whatever. So I just want to clarify that. Come on, the truth will set you free. And so he came over legally, full-blown Mexican, you know, hola, como esta? Just, I mean, that's how he was. And then he saw my mom, who was white, Italian, right, and Polish. And they got together, people. And can I just tell you, it was interesting, as an innocent bystander that I was, there were so many communication gaps and different mindsets. My dad came over with a mindset. He grew up poor, and he wanted to have a better life, so he came over. But that mindset really didn't change. I'm telling you, we were so poor, we weren't actually even poor. We were po because we couldn't afford the last two letters, When we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken, you know how Kentucky Fried Chicken, their motto is it's finger licking good? We would go and have to lick other people's fingers. Come on, somebody. We were poor. We were poor. And, you know, it didn't work out with my parents, and they went through a divorce. One of the worst things you could do in your finances is go through a divorce. I'm going to tell you this. It's one of the major reasons why people do go through a divorce is because of their finances. And listen, maybe it wasn't your fault. Maybe you've gone through a divorce and you you understand exactly what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I always tell people, why don't you come to church, sit under the word of God, hear the relationship series, come to church, learn about finances. It's Listen, it may cost you some time, but it's a lot more cost effective than going through a divorce. It's a lot more cost effective if we'll listen to what God has to say. But so they went through a divorce, right? And I mean, it just, you wanna talk about financially, the money that we really didn't have, we didn't have. We came to a point where we were living with my mom and we were almost on food stamps at some time. And, you know, growing up, I grew up at 19. I rededicated my life to God. And going through this, it was interesting, because I would see that there were people who were getting blessed. But I watched people, and I was learning, wow, and I, as I was growing up, seeing people incredibly blessed by God. But then I looked at other people, and they weren't. And here, here's what I've realized. And if you're taking notes, write this down. God is not a respecter of persons, but God is a respecter of his principles. Let me say that again. I don't care if you're black, white, yellow, blue, polka dot. It does not matter when it comes to God's blessing because his blessings have nothing to do with a person. It has everything because he does not and he is not a respecter of persons. It has everything to to be with a respecter of his truths and his principles. That means every single one of us in this room can be blessed. Can I hear a good amen today? He's not a respecter of persons. He's a respecter of principles. And here's the thing, and this is what this series is about. If you live by God's principles, you will live a life that invites God's blessing in your life. I want to live a life that is inviting God's blessing. Listen, not a life that is repelling his blessings. Because you can be a Christian and live a life that is, oh, it's you're going to heaven, but you're living a life that is repelling God's blessings. Anybody want today to live a life that is inviting the blessings that you are saying, God, bring on the blessing in my life. Here's the thing. Then we've got to live by his principles. We've got to live by his principles. And some of us have a poverty mindset. And here's the reality. It can be really even invisible to you. You don't even even know this, right? And that poverty mindset is not a mindset that is inviting God's blessing. Actually, the poverty mentality is a mentality that repels God's blessings. Have you found 1 Kings chapter 17? Verse eight, I wanna look at this story because I think it really helps us to understand the poverty mentality. And this woman that we're gonna read about in this prophet, she has a poverty mentality. Thank God. In the end, she follows God's principles. She does what God says, and she receives a miracle. But I, can, I just want to look into her life and say, maybe we could see some characteristics of this mindset. Why? So we can overcome it and live a life that's inviting God's blessing. Anybody excited this morning? First Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Here's what's happening. There was a drought in the land because they lived in California. No, there was a drought. <laughs> Come on, how many of you excited? No more drought. Cool. I can have, finally drink water. Isn't that amazing? I haven't been drinking water for two years. My wife's like, You need to drop doing that soda. I'm like, We're in a drought. Can't, sorry. Can't do that. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking more water, I think. And so, isn't there water and soda? Okay, so 1 Corinthians, I mean, 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a drought. And God is going to use this incredible man, Elijah. He represents the man of God. He represents what God wants to do in people's life. And when he speaks, he's speaking the word of God. And he comes to this place because he's in the drought as well. God's supplying for him. And let's pick it up in verse 8. It says, then the word of the Lord came to him, who was Elijah. Verse 9. Go at Ponce at Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay There, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath and he came to the town gate, a widow, somebody say, a widow. A widow was there gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? Now I want you to understand something just real quick that this is a widow. And in these times, just like much like today, not all, not as such the case all the time, but the man was the head of the home and provided for all the house. And so when he died, they had to, the wife had to pay for his debts. The wife could go into incredible debt. This is where she was at because unfortunate circumstances hit her life. I don't know if you've ever had unfortunate circumstances hit your life. But she's a widow. And so the prophet's coming to her and asking her for a drink. She's an unlikely person. Verse 11. And she was, and she was going to get it. And he called me. Listen, watch this. He said, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. Somebody say bread. Somebody say gr- gluten-free Bread. Verse twelve: As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, "I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive in a jug, and I am gathering a few sticks to my uh, to take to my home to make my meal for myself and my son that we may eat and die." Man, that's encouraging. Man, that's encouraging. Verse thirteen. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home. Do as you have said, but first take a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself, right, and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry. Can somebody say a good amen? Until the day of the Lord sends rain to the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her to do. Watch this. Watch the miracle right here. So there was food every day in the drought. Woo! There was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil had not run dry in keeping with the word. Come on, somebody say word. Come on. Somebody say word up in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Here's what I want to do. I want to look at this story. I want to give you 10 characteristics of a poverty mindset. And I want you to think through these and see if maybe you identify with any of these. And I'm going to talk about how we can correct that because we want to live a life that's inviting God's blessing, not a, a life that is repelling God's blessing. Let me tell you a little bit about this poverty mindset. Poverty mindset has nothing to do with the condition of your wallet. It has nothing to do with the condition of your checkbook. It has nothing to do with how much you have in your purse. Poverty is a condition of the mind. Poverty is a mindset. Now listen, before you say, well, no, 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 this has happened and this has happened. I know people who have gone bankrupt. I know people who have gone failed, they have failed. And you know what? They always back bounce back up. You know why? Because they didn't let their failure become final. They changed their mindset. And even though they may have gone through poverty, they didn't say I'm going to stay in poverty, but they had to change their mindset. And so this poverty is not a condition. There are wealthy people that have a poverty mindset. And here's the thing, the poverty mindset, it can set in in a community, right? It can set in in a culture, it can set in in a family that goes down down generations to generations. And I and to, to be honest, uh, it can come down to family. This was the mindset that I grew up under. I grew up on a, under a, a poverty mindset. As a matter of fact, um, we we're talking with our family about this, and I'm gonna share a little bit later, but my father has finally realized, and I'm gonna tell you, I love my dad. I, I, he's amazing, but my dad has a doctorate in theology. Okay. He has been a pastor for over 40 something years, read the Bible and watch this. And he is still dealing with overcoming a poverty mindset. And I'm just saying that to say, if he has a doctorate in theology, knows the word of God, there are things that we have to deal with ourselves. And I had to overcome this mindset, right? And so let me give you 10 characteristics and then we'll talk about three ways that we can change that. Here's number one, the characteristic of a poverty mindset. And it's not necessarily in these order, in this order, uh, but listen, number one is a deep-rooted sense of inferiority. A deep-rooted sense of inferiority. And this can come maybe because a person didn't, didn't have affirmation from their parents. They were never affirmed uh, from their parents, right? And listen, I want you to hear this. Write this down if you're taking notes. Our money issues flow out of our identity issues. I'm going to say that again. Our money issues flow out of our identity. Identity issues. Do you remember when we were in the relationship series and we talked about communication and we said that communication issues are really identity issues? See, as we're going to talk next week about the practical things, right? About budget and all those things, those are great. But I believe there's deeper roots on why we can't handle money. I believe there's deeper roots on why we're spending so much. I really believe there's deeper roots why our credit cards are run up. Listen, those issues are identity issues and I could sit here and we could talk about the wisdom and the practicality, and we will next week, but I I wanted to go there this week, but I felt like the Lord told me, you need to talk about the poverty mindset because I can talk about saving. I could talk about percentages on different bonds and all that, but if you have a poverty mentality, that's not going to matter to you. Sorry, I couldn't hear you. What are you talking about? There are people who will win the lottery and lose it all. You know why? Because they don't have the mentality to sustain it. They don't have the mentality to sustain it. And you know what it comes from? It comes from this deep sense of inferiority. Let me tell you how the rubber meets the road. Let me tell you how this plays out. Are you ready? This plays out like this, right? And see if you can identify with this. Maybe, you know, you came into church today and someone walks up to you and they complimented a clothing item that you add on today. And like, ooh, oh, oh I love your purse. Watch, here's what you say. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, I got it at the five below, sir. Oh, I love you. Oh, it looks great. Yeah, you know what? I got it at the five below store. What does that have to do with anything? You know what that is? It's an identity issue. Watch that you have to downplay what you spent to the point of how you feel about yourself. Why can't you just say thank you? You know why? Because you don't want to appear too bougie, right? You don't want to appear too uh, you it's a purse! Can I just tell you? You are a child of God, ladies. You should have a nice purse. Or this. This. Watch this. Oh, lady. Oh, I love your purse. I can see the diamonds right there. They're reflecting on the light, beautiful purse. Well, I had to buy it. You know why I had to buy it? Because my other purse, the strap was coming off. So I was literally walking with a strap coming off and just kind of holding it. So I had to buy this nice purse because the other one was broken. And you're constantly defending your purchases because you have a deep sense of inferiority. Can I just tell you, if somebody sees something nice and compliments you, you don't have to tell it them where you got it. You just say, thank you. I am blessed. Now I understand ladies, you want to share your sales and I'm all about sales. I love the sales, right? I do that too. If you want one of these, I'll tell you where to get it. But sometimes it's way deeper than that. Come on, somebody, right? Somebody compliments you and you have to constantly downplay, right? What you're buying, what you have. What if it was that somebody donated and gave you a thousand dollar purse. You have nothing to be ashamed of. If God wants to bless you, you receive that. Come on somebody. But here's what you're going to find out in this, this study. People who have a poverty mentality also have a problem receiving. They have a problem receiving. I had that problem. I love, I love to give, but when people give things to me, it's a struggle sometimes because my heart is so giving. I'm like, I want to just give it away. And God's like, if I keep giving you stuff and you just keep giving everything away, you're not going to have. So in this series, what we need to know about God's blessing, it's not just about generosity. It's also about stewarding what God has given you. Right. And so Number one, deep-rooted sense of inferiority. Here's another characteristic of the poverty mindset. Watch this. A perceived inadequacy. Notice what I said. I said a perceived inadequacy. You can't see yourself as a resource to somebody else. In other words, let me say it this way. You can't see yourself Blessing other people because you see yourself as inadequate. And let me say it this way it is perceived because the truth is, you are adequate because in God's eyes, He doesn't make inadequate children. You know, He loves you, and in God's eyes, you are accepted in the brethren. He gave His Son Jesus Christ for you. There is no one in the kingdom of God that is inadequate. Can I hear a good amen today? But here's what a poverty mentality will do. It will always cause you to focus on what you don't have. You know what's interesting is the prophet comes to this woman and says, okay, and he has a word from the Lord. And so this is how miracles go. He says, I want you to give me something to drink in a drought. Oh, how audacious of him. And I want you to make me a piece of bread. Here's what she says. I don't have any bread. Okay, so God had spoken to this widow because the Bible said and told Elijah that he had commanded this woman. So she knew... She didn't have bread, but here's the poverty mentality. She focused on what she didn't have, but she did have the ingredients for a miracle. She did have what it took to put those things together. Everybody look at me today. God will never ask you for what you don't have. He never does. He always asks you for what you have in your hand. And this is all she had, but she had enough for a miracle. Come on, somebody. But a poverty mentality says we never have enough. God is never going to ask you for what you don't have. He Will always ask you for what actually he has already put in your hand, a perceived inadequacy. Number three, a poverty mentality. Here's another characteristic is lack of money. Lack of money. I want to say something here. This mentality will actually tell you that stuff is from the devil. It'll twist scripture. Money is evil. That's what the Bible says. Money is evil. My church family, is that what the Bible says? That money is evil? Does the Bible say that money is the root of all evil? No. What does the Bible say? The love of it. The love of money. The love of it. But here's the thing. This is another reason why we can downplay the things that we buy or the things that we purchase because we actually believe that stuff, and I'm gonna say it, some of us even believe that rich people, we don't even like them. They must have gotten their money the wrong way. They must have. There's something wrong with having wealth. Can I just tell you this? If you don't have wealth, you can't bless anybody. If you don't have any money, you can't bless anybody else. Can I hear a good amen? And so what I'm talking about here, there are people that no matter how much money you give them, right? No matter what opportunity they're presented with, they are unable to get ahead financially. I was listening. We'll talk about this a little more next week. I was listening to a guy who was talking about how this is tax season. People are getting thousands of dollars back. And he was saying that there are people, not people in our church, but there are people who are actually spending their tax refunds before it even comes in the bank. So these thousands of dollars hasn't even hit their bank account yet and they are spending their money and it hasn't even come yet. You know what that is? That's a mentality. That's a mentality. I know people who get thousands of dollars back and you know what? In two or three weeks, their bank account is back to what it used to be. I said, there's nobody in this church that does that. (laughs) What is that? There's a poverty mentality. Haggai 1.6 says, and it describes this mentality. It says, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but you're not warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with holes. Why is that? Because that is a poverty mentality. And no matter what opportunity, no matter what you place in their hand, they never seem to get ahead. Why is that? It's a poverty mentality that you and I have to overcome. I didn't know you were gonna be so quiet this morning, (laughs) but that's okay. I know the Holy Spirit is working because if this curse, because it is a curse, is broken in your life, you're gonna see God bring on the blessing in your life. Can I hear a good amen? I know, and when I started to hear these, I was like, I identify with that, I identify with that, right? Here's number four. A poverty mentality always has a hoarding mentality a hoarding mentality. and you know what this does hoarding it drives you to accumulate more than you need why in the present for fear that you are going to lack in the future you have this fear mindset that in the future i am going to lack and that's what it is fear is like it's the it's kind of the same as faith because what you're doing is you're bringing on the negative you're just believing Yeah, i'm going to lack in the future i've always lacked so i'm going to lack in the, so i got to bring in my stuff hold on to it because i know at some point i'm going to in the future. And here's what Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 says. It says, one person gives freely and yet gains more. Why? Because we live in a backwards kingdom, right? We give and then God blesses, right? And then as he blesses, we give. He says, one person gives freely yet gains even more. Watch this. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Now I grew up with a hoarding mentality. Let me tell you, when my parents were married, This frustrated my mom, it started to frustrate us. So my mom would say, hey, honey, boo-boo, we need an iron, iron's broken. So my dad, this was his pattern. He'd go down to the nearest pawn shop and buy a used iron. I have nothing against pawn shops and I have nothing against used irons, if they work. (laughs) So my dad, all excited because he got a deal, came with his iron that he got at the pawn shop iron air closed. Three days, it broke. Honey, we need another iron. This one broke. Oh, what, what, what's wrong with that? Did you plug it in? Yeah, uh, we plugged it in. Oh, let me see. It don't work. We tried. Okay. Guess what? Go back to the pawn shop, buy another used iron. Come back. Now we have dos ironness start using it for a couple days. Guess what? It broke. Honey, I need another iron. (laughs) What happened? happened? It broke. It broke. This one broke too. Let me see. Oh, you know what? No, 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 no. It's not broken. If you hold the cord up like this, it'll work. Oh, I got to hold the cord up. Yeah. got to hold the cord up like this. Oh, dad, it works when I hold the cord up. Oh, dad, I just burnt my pants. Because I can't, like, you know, I, I got to use two hands when I iron. I'm not, I'm not that proficient in ironing. They don't give that class in high school, Dad. Ironing with the cord up. That, we just don't have that class. So I just have a hole in my, you know where the, Dad, I don't want to offend you, but the, you know where the booty is? I got a hole. Oh, okay. I'm going to go get a patch for, for the, okay, so you want me to iron the patch with the iron and hold up the wire? guess what? Back to the pawn shop. Another used iron. We had Tress ironness. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, look at me. And none of them worked. You're laughing now. Wait till I say what I'm about to say. And we never would throw them away. Now we have spent a gazillion dollars on used iron when you could get a brand new one nice for about 20 bucks. And here's the reality, that's a poverty mindset. And we grew up and it's so funny because I just visited my dad and it's the same thing. You go in the room, the lamp doesn't turn on. Oh, you got to jiggle the cord. Dad, it's dark, I can't see the cord got to jiggle the cord. Okay. I jiggle the cord. Okay. Clinch it like this. Clinch it real quick. Oh, okay. It came on. Listen, what is that? Do we believe that that's actually how God wants us as children of God to live? Now you may say, Phil, but what if that's all you have? Listen, I understand if that's all you have, but we had some money. We just spent it the, the wrong way. But it was a mentality that says, I'm not really worth something that's new. So I'm going to get something that is used. It's a hoarding mentality. It's interesting to me how this poverty mentality can have a hold on people to the point. You know, I've counseled people who, especially couples, who have been in deep financial doo-doo. I mean, they are just, and we're talking and we're just, you know, looking for some wisdom. And all of a sudden the husband will say, you know, Phil, I just think that if we would get rid of some stuff in our house, right, that we could probably sell it, maybe get 500, 1,000 bucks. And you know what, we could it would help our bills. And when he says that, his wife looks at him like it was the devil. And I'm like, how much stuff you got? And then he'll start naming all of the stuff. And I'm like, you got that much stuff? And you can't pay your bills. He's like, yeah, if we just had like a garage sale or something, then we could get ahead. And she's looking at him like they're going to throw out a Bible or something. It's come on, say it's stuff that they have not even used. Ladies and gentlemen, can I just tell you right now, even regarding clothing, there are clothing stores at the mall that if you take your old clothes that aren't fitting anymore, because now you're so buff, you know, you're so in shape, those old clothes are not fitting anymore. Listen, if you will take them to certain stores, they will give you a coupon for 20% off your next purchase. And here's the reality. Every time you bring clothes, they will give you 20% off. And so you have stuff hanging in your closet, 10 million shoes. And you know what? And you have stuff in there that you could actually turn into money to help you advance in your life. You know what? Goodwill will take it or have a garage sale. Oh, that's just too much work. Can I just tell you? It's a poverty mentality. You can't pay bills, but you got your stuff and you can't let go. And I understand gentlemen, you can keep looking forward because it's tough with some of these ladies. And here's why. And I understand ladies, I have compassion. You have a sentimental attachment to everything. I walked in one of our family members' houses, won't say who, beautiful garage. You can't even get inside the garage because there's so much stuff. This doesn't make sense to me. Beautiful car sitting in the driveway and you can't even get inside the garage. You know why? Because they got stuff. And so here we are praying, God, I need help. And God's like, you need some wisdom. And I want to tell you, Hoarding is, I grew up with this. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, just smile. If you smile at me, I won't think it's you, I promise. Come on, just just smile at. Here's number five, characteristic of a poverty mindset. Insecurity regarding the future. It's interesting that this woman wanted to hoard the little oil, she wanted to keep it for herself, she wouldn't let go. And in actuality, that's what hoarding is. It just means you won't let go. And so here's what happens, she holds it on, why? Because number five, insecurity regarding the future, right? And so there's anxiety, right? Something is gonna go wrong. And here's what this mindset does. This mindset always sees disaster instead of opportunity. It sees disaster. That sky is falling, we're all gonna die. But I have my stuff in my garage. (laughs) I'm gonna hide and you won't find me. Right? It sees disaster. That's what. It's a mentality that is based in and rooted in fear, not in faith. And here's what I, it's limiting your blessing. It's not a mentality that's inviting God. Come on, somebody. It's a mentality that's repelling him. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven. God has not given us a spirit of fear, if you know it, say it, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. We've gotta live by faith. Faith says, you know what? God's got the future. Can I give you just some good news? God is already in the future. The Bible says he is the alpha, the beginning, and he is the omega, the end. He is the beginning and the end at the same time. God is already in your future, and the future is good. Can I hear a good amen? Jeremiah 29 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. You should be excited about the future. Why? Because God is already there. Can I hear a good amen today? I don't know about. I love that there was a sign. There there was a bumper sticker that used to say, "I don't know the future, but I know the one who holds the future, and He holds the future." Insecurity regarding the future. Right here's number six. Are you glad you came to church today? It's hopelessness. Number six is hopelessness. It's a characteristic of a poverty mindset. This lady, listen, she didn't want to have to eat her cake and have her cake and eat it too. She wanted to eat her cake and die. Ladies and gentlemen, that's hopelessness. That's hopelessness when you look at the drought and and you see and and you can't imagine what happens. And, and, And this comes from just, if we can be honest, you just don't trust God. At the end of the day, you probably trust more in your circumstances. You trust more in the amount that you have in your bank instead of trusting God. Hebrews 11, one says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. I like to describe faith like this and hope. Hope is your expectation. Anything that God says, I can wrap my hope around. But hope is like the, if I were to build this building, it's like the frame of the building. It's my hope. But that frame needs a substance and faith. That's what faith is. Faith isn't just believing. You know, the Bible says that even the demons believe and tremble. That's all they do. Oh, there's a God but they don't have action. They don't act like he is God. And so faith is believing and acting, and it's like a substance that fills that expectation, that frame to put a great foundation underneath you. And we have to have hope. See, this lady had a word from God, because God told her. God said, you know what? You are going to provide for this man of God. I have commanded you to supply food. But here is the question. What are you going to do with the word that God has given you? This will work if you act on it. My church family, I was sat, I was a PK pastor's kid for years. I sat under ministers and ministers and ministers, and my life never changed until I decided to put this into action and do. You know when the miracle happened? When she decided to do what the prophet said well i don't understand i keep coming to church and this thing doesn't work it's never going to work until you do it it's never going to work till you work okay never mind <laughs> But you're going to have to work it. You're going to have, that's what faith, faith is not a work in what has to be done. Faith is a work on what is already done. Jesus already provide. There is already provision. The heavens are open. It's already done. So my faith is not in doing. My faith is in what Jesus already done. Come on, can I hear a good amen today? And he will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This woman, you know what? She did what Elijah asked. and God supplied all of her needs during a drought. Well, that's because we're in a recession. Pastor Phil, you can be in a recession, but your God is not in a recession. Your God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns the universe. And you know what? Whether our economy is in a recession or not, God is not in a recession, and he's going to bless you and sustain you through any type of drought in your life. Can I hear a good amen? If we will put our trust in him. Here's number seven, a victim mentality. Thank you for that, amen. Bible says out of the mouths of babes, a victim mentality. A victim mentality says it's somebody else's fault. Pastor Phil, the reason I'm not blessed is because our president, Donald Trump, tweeted something. And because he tweeted that, I'm not blessed. If, we, if he would just get rid of that darn Twitter, I'd be blessed, What is his tweeter, tweeter, whatever that has to do with your life? Can I just say, you don't have to look at it. I did, and it's his fault that I looked at it. Come on. Pastor Phil, the reason why I'm not blessed is because of Bill Gates. He's taken all the money and computers. Bill Gates, owner of Microsoft, he's a billionaire, and because he's a billionaire, I cannot be blessed. If he can do it, And he's not even a child of God. Can I just tell you one of my secret prayers? That God will save him. Because there's a scripture in the Bible that says, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. And I'm praying, right, that he will get saved. Right? And somebody's already prophesied that he's going to get saved. And he's going to take that millions of dollars and fund the gospel of Jesus Christ all around the world. Come on, somebody. Four of you are happy about that. That's amazing. What you're saying is, when you have a victim mentality, I'm not responsible for what I have, but somebody owes me. Somebody owes me. Listen, with all compassion, you may have been victimized, but it's your choice whether you stay a victim. I'm gonna tell you something. We grew up poor, but I decided that my mindset would change. And that me, and I'm gonna tell you what the Bible says. It's bold. Here's my job. I'm supposed to leave an inheritance for my children's children. My children's children, that's a blessing, right? And so I made a decision. I'm not blaming anybody else. Even if my family grew up this way, the word of God, if I can be transformed by the renewing of my mind, I wanna be a blessing to my church. I wanna be a blessing to my community, to my wife, to my friends, and even at times, bless my enemies. Come on, somebody, right? But you know what? I have to take responsibility, right? Number eight, characteristic of a poverty mindset is self-centeredness, self-pity. Self-centeredness is the inability to give materially, emotionally, or spiritually. And here's the reality. The kingdom of God is about other people. Zach said it today, right? He said, It's about loving God, loving other people. But you, this is what she was thinking of. This lady was like, it's just about me and my son. We're gonna eat this and we are going to die. But because she shared with the prophet, guess what? She saw incredible supply. And I wanna remind you, God is not a respecter of people. Oh, it was Elijah. It was this woman in the Bible. No, God is a respecter of principles. And if you will follow his principles, you can be blessed as well. Here's number nine a rationalization for inappropriate behavior. There's always an excuse of why things go wrong. Does anybody have any money on them? Uh, um, I know that's, that's weird for a preacher to ask you for money. Isn't that weird? Um, does anybody have just a cash, even if it's a dollar? I was gonna say, nobody in our church has any money. I'm glad you're here at this series. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. Money has no morality money takes on the identity of the person who uses this. Ben works at Lazy Dog Cafe, maybe got this as a tip. Maybe last night at work, there was a drug dealer in there said, Hey, we've been working really hard. So I feel lazy. I'm gonna go down to Lazy Dog Cafe and eat some food. And they tipped Ben and this was used. Somebody gave him this because they bought heroin And so now it came to Ben. Ben, can I ask you this? If this came from a drug dealer, did you have any like desire today to like use drugs or sell drugs because you got this dollar? Okay, maybe somebody came from Tijuana last night and gave you this. They all speak Spanish and they paid you and tipped you. This morning, did you wake up speaking Spanish because a a person, did did that change? Like you're like, oh my God, como estas? Did that happen when this? It didn't. You know why? This takes on the identity of the person who has it. This can be used for illegal purposes or this can be used for the kingdom of God. But it will take on the identity it has no morality and people are like money's evil no it can be used for evil person p- purposes if the person is using it for evil pur- purposes but money is not evil money can be an incredible blessing to people's life thank you ben god bless you i'm so excited <laughs> man it's amazing money cometh in jesus name Here's number 10. I'll give it back to you later, maybe. Unless you were so moved by this message that you decide, like, I want to bless that preacher with a dollar. <laughs> Come on, can we laugh a little bit? <laughs> it's funny. I wish you could see your face sometimes, because when I had this, right, and I went to this or this side, some of you were like, is he going to give that away? Is it all right if we give this away, Ben? Okay, here, here you go. Here you go, Megan. This is for you. God bless you. I love giving away other people's money. All right, so here's number 10 poverty mindset. It can be generational attitudes and thinking patterns. Um, we can learn this pattern from our parents. Um, when you live under the poverty mentality, um, you actually become and you start to live under a curse. Because the question is not, does God want to bless you? The question is, are you going to live a life and identify as a child of God and say, God, if you want to bring blessings my way, bring on the blessing. Come on, bring it on. I'm not going to repel it. I'm going to receive it. That's why I tell you, this poverty mentality has a problem receiving Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says, and then the Lord Jesus said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And here's the thing that people, if you never get past this, this uh, uh, a poverty mindset, you'll never experience this, this scripture right here. It's more blessed to give to receive. I love to receive now. I love to receive. Just so you know, I don't have the problem receiving. So if you do want to bless me, bring it on. And you know, as much as I love receiving, the Bible said it's more blessed to give. The word blessed there actually means happier. If you're happy to receive this stuff, the Bible says it's even more happier to bless somebody else because I think there's a double blessing there because you get to it's like watching your kids open up. You know how you spent all that money and they're opening up the boxes, right? And you're so excited and they look at the toy and then they start playing with the boxes that you bought and you're so excited to be able to give watching somebody else be blessed. See, the poverty mindset will rob you of this. And if you're going to start living a life that's inviting God's blessing, there's three things. And here's where I want to close. This is what the Bible says. Third John two, beloved, I wish above all things that you may as prosper. If I say prosper and be in health, look, even as your soul prospers. So how does this work? This mindset has to change. Notice I want to leave this scripture up. How do we prosper? Well, we have to have a heart change, but as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he look, So the willingness or to the degree you're willing to allow your mind to change is the degree which you will prosper. If you hold on to a poverty mentality, you won't prosper. But if you say, Lord, transfer me, transform my mind. And as your mind is transformed, will be be to the degree that you prosper. It says, even as my soul prosper. And listen to this scripture. Beloved, I wish above all things. And this, when it says all things, it means in everything. This means your health too. I got two amens. I said, this means your health too. Don't have a poverty mentality when it comes to your health. Jesus paid the price for that right? Above all things I wish above all that you prosper. Why? So you can be blessed to be a blessing. And here's the last three things if we're going to change. Number one, we have to expose the fear. You have to expose the fear. No fear here. Come on, say that with me. Say no, no fear here. One more time. Say no fear here. This is what Elijah told her. Do not be afraid. See, if she would have known that what she was going to do was going to supply throughout the drought, she wouldn't be afraid. Can I tell you, you can trust God. You can trust God even more than what you think. That's what the Bible says. Trust in the Lord with all, right? Trust in the Lord and lean not to your own understanding, but we trust more in ourselves than in him, right? And so look, we have to expose the fear. And the big fear you're going to need to be is the fear of not having enough. But here's the truth. God is always more than enough. Woohoo! God not only supplied for her and her son and the prophet. Not just her. God did exceedingly abundantly. And he can do that in your life, but we've got to stop, listen, and we've got to learn not to base what we believe about money and God's provision by looking at our circumstances, our past experiences. Come on, let's look and have a fresh look today with faith at God's promises. Here's number two, let's cultivate your faith with patterns of giving. I challenged you last week. It'll break the greed in your life. Take the T90X challenge. Listen for the next 90 days, believe God and tithe and watch what God will do. I want to share this just real quick. And I, I don't want I want to let us out a little bit early today. But last week, some of you were here last week, and you heard Josh's testimony about God told him to give at Supernatural Nights. And we're going to have some Supernatural Nights this summer coming back. Dr. Michael Maiden will be with us. And there's another guy, uh, Dr. Um, not Dr. but uh, Pastor here Mattesius Metesius from C3 uh, will be with us. And it's going to be an incredible time. But last year, uh, Do you like how I throw those infomercials in just real quick? Got to get the announcements in there. Somebody like, why don't you print them out in the bulletin? No, I'll just put them in the messages. But here, it's amazing. And Josh gave up and he said, God spoke to me and told me to do something for a family in our church. And Josh is a great giver, he's a tither, he's an amazing guy, and they blessed a family in this church with flights to go see their son graduate uh, in an army ceremony somewhere. And so Josh believed that, watch this. But what Josh didn't know, and I knew because this other family had told me in our church, right here in Marietta, right here, this other family said, we are gonna start giving. And we are gonna believe God and we are gonna start tithing. Josh didn't know that. When they started to give, they got all their airfares paid to another state. That happened. And then the young man, the father came up to me this last week and he says, it's pretty amazing what has just happened. He says, my boss just turned over about 28 accounts and gave them to me. I don't have to cold call. They're already set up. And he says, this last month was one of the best months financially for us and the business. Watch this. And he says, we're on track to do double next month. My church family, God wants to bring on the blessing for your life. Come on, praise him. Like you want to invite that into your life. But let's cultivate your faith with some patterns of giving. You know what? She gave from what she had. This is where you start. God's not going to give you more until you're faithful with what you got. And God supplied all her needs through the drought. God's not trying trying to get you to give what you don't have. And here's the thing. God knew what was in her bank account. God knew she had ingredients for some bread. That's why the prophet asked for it. And the question was, will you give what you have to the Lord? If she didn't, she wouldn't have been supplied through the drought. And the truth, God wanted her to know that he was her source. God wants you to know that. And here's the last one. Number three is your past is not your future. According to the Bible, your identity is not found in what we possess, it's found in who possesses us. My church family, When someone compliments you on what you have, you can say thank you. And can I tell you why you can say thank you? Because you are a child of God. You are a child of the Most High King. Come on, somebody, can you say a good amen? Come on, let's stand today and let's give the Lord a great round of applause for his word. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.